Welcome to today's edition of the Career 100 podcast. This series is designed to introduce students to different career options that are in demand and share the path each practitioner has taken to arrive in their current position. The procurement department suffers because the department looks like it's there to cut funds in the way with, I want to purchase this and procurement's not going to let me purchase it because it's too expensive. That's a misconception. We're there to service you, assist you in getting what you need as quickly as you need it for the best value for the best dollar. A division that's respectable and not just saying they're here to help us buy cheaper pencils or widgets. Hello, it's Felicia Gopal here from the Career 100 podcast. I want to thank everyone for joining us and welcoming you to today's podcast. Today, we're continuing our series on the top 100 careers, and we'll be introducing you to a purchasing manager. Purchasing agents are responsible for trying to get the best deal for their organization, the highest quality goods and services at the lowest cost. I don't know about you, but I would love to have a purchasing agent, somebody who would scour the internet for me, somebody who could clip coupons and really just go out and get the best deal. Because for many of us, we often wonder after we've made our first purchase or a purchase, whether or not we got the best deal possible. And a purchasing agent is the person responsible within an organization or corporation for making sure that they've gotten the best deal possible. They do that by studying sales records and inventory levels of current stock, identifying suppliers, and keeping up to date with changes affecting both the supply of and demand for products and materials. Today's purchasing managers are responsible for watching industry trends and making sure that they've connected to the correct suppliers so that they're able to get the desired goods and services on time in the correct quantities without sacrificing quality. Once they've gathered the information from their suppliers, they sign contracts as well as place orders. Today's guest is Barbara Espinal, who's currently a category manager at one of the top 10 pharmaceutical companies in New Jersey. She's part of the Strategic Sourcing and Demand Management Organization, supporting environmental health and safety and site management. In her role, Barbara is responsible for procuring remediation services, site management services, non-research capital equipment, and energy and utility services for the New Jersey headquarters. Barbara joined the pharmaceutical company in 2004 as a sourcing manager supporting research and development responsible for procuring research capital equipment and services. In 2006, she transitioned to support areas within commercial operations. Barbara holds a Bachelor's of Science degree in business management from St. Peter's College. She completed her certificate in public purchasing as well as she's currently pursuing a certified professional in supply management. Please join me in welcoming Barbara Espinal, who was previously recorded. So, Barbara, could you just take a minute and tell me about how you became a purchasing agent? Well, actually, I started my career in a distribution center, and I was the actual customer service rep for that distribution center. And then there was a position available for a buyer for cigarettes. So I actually started my career as buying cigarettes. <laughs> and it was quite funny because um, I didn't smoke at the time. And I thought, found it to be very odd that I was purchasing cigarettes. 
And from there, I evolved into different areas within that organization. And I started buying, doing just spot buyings. I would do buying for the health and beauty age department, for the food service department, for the deli department. And I just became a bar. And I was a bar for about approximately 10 years. And that's how I basically started. I did my bachelor's degree in St. Peter's College for business management. And I had a minor in economics. And I wanted to do something in management, so this was a great opportunity entering into this company that I started off with uh, as a customer service and dabbled a little bit in the buying, and I just found it very interesting. I liked the negotiation piece of it and went from there. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting because I think a lot of people think of purchasing agent as somebody who buys stuff, but it's really much more involved than that. Can you tell me a little bit more about some of the types of things that you would do as a purchasing agent? And is that even the correct term anymore? Well, actually, the purchasing agent term is only used for government positions right now. The industry is actually quite changed and currently firms now, you could call it procurement, or they have different levels. So usually we have analysts uh, that they do uh, industry analysis for us and company analysis. We have then buyers that just do spot buys, small buys, uh, two quotes, you know, and a buy. Then you go into a senior buyer, which does a little bit more of sourcing, which is sourcing you go out for a bid with more than three suppliers. Then you have a strategic sourcing manager, which looks at the category in total and then decides, okay, this is what the spend is, this is what the industry is moving, and where can we find the best value for our customers at the best price. So it's changed drastically versus just let's just buy and go to the supplier and say, you have to give me the best price. Now it's more of a partnership with the suppliers. How can I help you give me a better price? So we share contracts. If I have a contract with, let's say, one of the major distribution centers and I have a supplier that distributes things to me, I might share my distribution contract to that company so they could get a better deal. So then in turn, they could give me a lower price. So we're thinking outside of the box, thinking strategically and thinking globally. A lot of companies are global now versus just here in the United States. So instead of just buying locally in the town that you, you know, in the office that you work in, you try to leverage your spend by not regionally, nationally, and then obviously globally. And the more you buy, the cheaper you can get it. Also, there's a lot of international buying right now. Before we just bought uh, things in the United States, a lot of things are either being manufactured outside of the United States or you're outsourcing a lot of services. So actually saying a purchasing agent is really for the public sector versus to the private sector. Private sector now is really called strategic management, category management, a lot of project management is involved with it, rather than just saying, okay, I want to buy 15 widgets at two cents, and next year I want to buy 25 widgets at a cent and a half. 
Got it. So, you know, basically what I'm hearing is, you know, sourcing now has really followed what's been happening in the world in that a lot of the sourcing decisions that you are making are following the trend of globalization. So you're no longer looking for just a supplier within a small confined area, but you could ultimately be looking for, depending upon the item, looking for a uh, supplier who is really located anywhere in the world. Absolutely. And with that, I do want to make a major point that major firms right now are really looking at sustainability and trying to shy away from companies and firms that outside of the United States that are using child labor, that are using unhealthy environments, that are using lower class merchandise raw materials. So there is a sustainability accountability that firms are here in the United States responsible for. And it's really big in Europe. And if your firm is uh, headquarters is in Europe, it's trickling down here into the United States. So I work for a major pharmaceutical company right now. And sustainability is one of the key items that we have to look at. And another key item that we have to look at, even though we're globalizing, is that we also look at diversity. We mm. have a lot of government contracts. So we have to, with every bid over a certain amount of money, try to involve a diverse supplier. Now, certain categories you cannot involve a diverse supplier because they just don't have that magnitude. So let's say like a CRO, which is a clinical trial company, uh, they do studies. You can't, a small firm can't compete with one of the big majors clinical trials but we can possibly use them as a sub for maybe the transport or maybe the freezing agent. So you try to use as much diverse suppliers because we do have to have a percentage of our spend with diverse suppliers or else we lose our government contract. Got it. So, you know, that's an interesting spin because I imagine that Oftentimes, because I uh, came through the world very much like you, I started in a customer service kind of role and then kind of branched into accounting and then into financial planning and now ultimately into the college planning arena. But I remember the decisions that were made often were made with suppliers that we had for a number of years. And while I wasn't necessarily involved in the picking of vendors. I remember hearing conversations that were going on around me because I wasn't that far from what is now the procurement department about how they had to keep in mind certain parameters when they were bidding or considering new vendors. Absolutely. And it's about keeping a a fair playing field and trying to help local suppliers. You work in a town, you want to get as many you know, local uh, businesses involved in being able to reach out to them and use their services. You're in their town, so you should, you know, at least use them as much as possible. So we use a lot of the catering departments, there's a lot of programs, you know, we have lunch and buy, so we go and they give everyone in the company a $25 spend and they can go to all any local list of restaurants or stores that they have and we use those uh, coupons and it helps that business prosper and grow with all the employees that are going and shopping with the company dollars. But diversification is key, sustainability is key, 
partnership with your supplier is key. It's not about sharpening that pencil, that old school terminology. It's about getting the best value for the services or products that you're purchasing at the best dollar. Okay, great. So what sorts of problems? It sounds like your role is you're in a large institution. You're in a large company. So what sorts of problems or who is your client within your large pharmaceutical company? Well, I've started several different categories. Uh, currently, I started at uh, the company that I'm working at as a sourcing manager, and I got promoted to a category manager, so it's a little bit higher level. Uh, we do a little bit more intense partnership with our clients, so it's more of, I'm not here to tell you what to do, I'm here to help you get to what you need to get done and save you money at the same time, because procurement has that bad concept of they're here only to save money and not let me use the supplier that I want to use. So that's one of the big concepts and that you try to break that barrier. My clients currently, I manage several categories. I manage environmental health and safety, uh, site facilities, utilities and energies, securities. Before that, I managed uh, capital equipment and services. And before that, I managed clinical trials, which is phase three and four. That's when the drugs actually go out and get tested for the patients. So I've got a really large gamut of categories that I've managed, and the client relationship is a big thing with procurement. You have to earn their respect, and you have to show value to them. You're not there just to, you know, squeeze their suppliers, and then their suppliers come back and say, you know, I can't do this for you because procurement is choking me, and we don't have enough money to, to do that. It's more of going out there, doing, you know, the pre-meetings with your client, you know, discussing what the scope of work is going to be, discussing what the possible suppliers are, doing your homework beforehand and checking out what the industry is and, you know, you hear that the gas prices are going to go up or there's a chemical in the middle, you know, of China that's no longer going to be made. Now you have to go to another part of the country or another country to get it. So it's all about studying the industry, studying the category, and then working with your client and seeing what that client's needs are to actually develop a strategy to move forward and be a partner not only with your supplier, but be a partner with your client. And I have multifunctional teams. I mean, there's a lot of project management involved as well. Uh, Just because you're doing sourcing, that doesn't mean that you're not actually doing, you know, managing an actual project, uh, managing a process, because we do that a lot as well. We do a lot of process improvement. That's part of our job. I mean, why should somebody touch something four times when you can change the process and have only two people touching the work? So there's a lot more involved before than just the, the, the stop buying. Okay. Well, you know, that's something that I didn't know about your role is it doesn't surprise me that there's a huge customer component about your job, but I wouldn't necessarily have thought of your position as something that required, you know, the project management in terms of looking at the process to see if there was some way to improve it so that it's better for ultimately your customer and your client. Yeah, absolutely. That's key. I mean, again, that goes into the higher level of management. So spot buying, you just do the spot buying. But when you get into the strategic sourcing and when you get into the category management, you need to save money. You can only grab the low-hanging fruit. There's only so much low-hanging fruit you can capture 
So then you have to find other ways of saving money, and process improvement is a huge uh, way to save money if you do it the right way. And communication and having multifunctional teams and cross-functional teams, and that all takes into place when you do category management. And it's key, and to tell you the truth, out of all the positions that I had, category management has been one of my most enlightening and enjoyable positions. So I think that leads to my next question, which is, if somebody was interested in your field, is there a suggested path? I mean, is there a degree that they would go out and get? Well, you have to have some type of college degree, preferably in business management or Bachelor of Science. And then there's this organization. There's several organizations out there. But the key organization is called ISM, which is the Institute of Supply Management. And what they do is they have multi-classes with negotiations, project management, globalization, so forth and so on. And you take all these classes, and they give you also classes for these tests. There's uh, three modules that you have to take, and you become a CPSM, which stands for Certified Professional in Supply Management. So that's a certificate. A lot of companies now are asking for that certificate or you know, the 20 years experience that I have. I do not have the certificate. I'm in the process of getting that certificate. Uh, it's quite involved. It takes a lot of time. That there's about four classes for every module before you take the test. But it's a very good institute. It's done by Rutgers University. And that would be the key certificate that most procurement professionals should have. And to have that, you need a, a bachelor's degree. Okay. So could you tell me kind of the progression in terms of you, oftentimes people start as a buyer and then move to category management, which seems to be one of the highest levels of uh, procurement? Well, the progression actually starts with like an analyst. And okay. What an analyst usually does is they'll go and a, a buyer or a certain manager will say, hey, you know, I have this new category. I need to know all the industry analysis that you can get for me. So they'll go out and find out on the internet through Hoover's, which is a company-based information, uh, D&B, obviously, uh, Google Finance, Data Monitor. These are all subscriptions that, you know, procurement professionals have and do a data analysis, you know, how big is the company, how long has it been in business, or how big is the industry, how many companies are in that industry. So it depends. They'll do company analysis or they'll do industry analysis for you. So that's an analyst. Then you go into the buyers, and the buyers do spot buys. have a client, oh, I need a microscope. So they'll pull three or four suppliers, get three quotes, shows it to the client. The client tells them, okay, I want X. So they go back and they say to the supplier X, oh, can you please give me a better price? And that's a buyer. Okay. See, your buyer looks a little bit more around, you know, how can I bundle these buys and get a better deal? Uh, so instead of buying one microscope at a time, you buy three microscopes at a time. Then you have the strategic sourcing manager. Now looks at a category. Instead of just one or two buys here or multi-buys, you look at a category and you start looking regionally or sometimes globally. And then you start looking at the category manager who looks at everything in general and says, okay, this is what we need to do. Let's do a strategy. 
Uh, after you get all the data analysis, you find out what the spend has been with the company, you talk to your client, you talk to the supplier, uh, you run an RFP to or an RFI request for information to test the market to see what's out there, and then you form a strategy and you move on. Then there's, of course, their procurement director who manages all the procurement department, and then you have a CPO who's a certified purchasing officer. A lot of companies are getting, instead of having, you know, also having, besides having a CFO and a CEO, now they have a CPO. Okay. Uh, so that's pretty much the highest that you go is the CPO, which is a chief procurement officer, and then that's, that person's responsible for all procurement throughout the entire organization, whether it be globally or nationally or region or localized. Okay. So there is a clear path that people can progress through because I think sometimes students would benefit from knowing what the path would be and what are the ways that they could enter the industry and how they can be of assistance. Absolutely. And a lot of the colleagues that I work with have changed career paths halfway because we do so many multi-different things. I've had multiple friends or colleagues that have worked in procurement that have started taking project management classes and now are project managers versus strictly just project managers, which it gives you the opportunity to learn many things. Uh, I know someone that used to work in environmental health and safety, was a sourcing manager in environmental health and safety, and now works in environmental health and safety. So procurement gives you the opportunity to test those waters in different departments and if you like it and learn enough about it, why not pursue something different? So it gives you that opportunity to, one, grow, and two, opportunities to look at different areas within your organization. You know, I think that that is really a benefit that all students should really take advantage of, is if there's an opportunity for you to learn something, learn it well, and then use it in another way. I think sometimes having somebody who comes into an organization who has a different lens than the typical lens can be very, very beneficial. I talk often about my husband, Nigel. He was a rocket scientist. And then, you know, he ended up going to school for his master's degree, a master's in business administration with an emphasis in marketing. And so people often will ask, well, how do you go from rocket science to marketing? In the way that he applies it, it makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense because one of the things that he was able to do at his former employer was really help them systemize their process uh, because most of the people who had been in the organization were marketing people. So, you know, marketing people a little looser with processes. Let's just put it that way. (laughs) You know, I know you're laughing because you work with marketing people all the time. So you completely understand. But engineers, they like their processes. They like to kind of implement that. And so they were able to save major dollars and put in place processes that really help streamline. So I go back to your previous comment about part of what you do in procurement is also help look at processes and help them see if there's a way to enhance what they're doing so that there are, if you will, fewer steps or put in place a process that helps the uh, client get to what they're looking for quicker, faster, cheaper, any of those sorts of goals. Absolutely. Actually, one of my previous directors was a chemist, and she moved over from chemistry into procurement. 
So it, it's just, you know, it's a matter of what your case is and how you apply what your skills are to the position that you're in and what you think that you can do moving forward. Absolutely. So you don't necessarily need a degree in procurement. Uh, you can take whatever degree you have, as long as it's a bachelor's, bachelor of science, then bring it over into procurement and be able to excel, is what I heard you Absolutely. say. Absolutely. And as I have colleagues that right now that do not have a college degree, but are currently pursuing their college degree, but that's not the norm anymore. Pretty much right now, they're asking for at least a college degree, if not a master's. Okay. Well, you know, or the uh, CPSM certificate. Well, I think that that's just what's happening in the world. I mean, one of the things that I was talking with a uh, another guest about is the fact that a lot of positions are now requiring a Bachelor of Science as really or a master's degree as a starting point in order to even enter the industry. And I think that that's something that students need to pay attention to because, you know, uh, the days of being able to get into a lot of the larger companies without that degree are further and further apart. Oftentimes you have to have the experience in order for them to overlook the fact that you don't have the degree. Right. And, and, and believe it or not, I have a colleague that's been in the firm for 23 years and just recently got called by a recruiter. And once she said she was in a pursuit of her bachelor's degree, they said, oh, I'm sorry, the firm will not hire you unless you're a college graduate, which I was, I was shocked. Yes. And she has 23 years of experience. So, yeah, it's, it's very important. I can't emphasize enough the magnitude of, of importance that, you know, a college degree is needed to succeed. Absolutely. At least open your door. Right. It is really a door opener. So let me move on to my next question. If you have the opportunity to give a young Barbara advice about the procurement field, what advice would you give yourself if you were getting started today based on what you know? I think the main thing is look at what types of things that you like. If you like technology or if you like equipment or if you like services, Start with a category that you find interesting and then learn as much as you can. Ask questions. It's, you know, I'd rather ask a question than do it wrong. Take as many courses as you can. Rutgers offers many courses and other many other institutes offer courses. There's a lot of free webinars on online. Uh, there's a lot of on and off classes that you can get, seminars, diversity classes. So many different classes that you need to take just to educate yourself in uh, the actual procurement world and then start dabbling in the different categories. But once you do a category and you've managed that category and you're able to work in that, talk to your boss and say, hey, you know, how about if I work and can I start, you know, dabbling a little bit in this category? Because you want to change your categories. You don't want to stay in that category because then you have a tendency to stay complacent with that category. So I would say try different things and take a lot of courses because, you know, the industry changes so much. I mean, the industry has changed so much for the past 10 years. It's unbelievable. And you continually have to educate yourself, contracting classes, management classes, procurement classes, project management classes, process improvement classes. 
big signal. That's a really big thing right now. A lot of firms are asking their employees to be either a green belt or a black belt in Six Sigma, five quarters. So there's many things that, you know, I would recommend that you do. Learn as much as you can, and most firms will pay for the education. And that's key because it's beneficial to them that you learn as much as possible. You know, one of the trends that I think is happening all over the world and certainly in large and small institution is the concept of being uh, lifelong learners. So I often will talk to students about realize that your education does not stop when you have a degree because your industry is probably changing. And if you're not aware of the changes, if you're not able to handle the changes, then it puts you in a position where you in your position could become obsolete. When my husband was uh, looking for a new job after being laid off from a company they had been with for over 12 years, one of the things that we were uh, taking a look at is there was a company that he really wanted to work with that was still in New Jersey. And there was the company that he actually ended up working with that was in California. And one of the big proponents for why I was an advocate for the California job is he was going to learn a new skill that I thought everybody who was doing what he was doing was going to be looking for. So now it's kind of at the point where, you know, some people have it and some people don't, but it's going to become the standard. So he does a lot with the website and he was going to be with the new position doing stuff with mobile. So the fact that he has his background and it now includes mobile means that if we were to kind of look forward five years, 10 years, when he is closer to retirement, then the fact that he has mobile instead of needing to get mobile will mean that he's unlikely to be laid off or if he's laid off, the fact that he doesn't have mobile will not keep him from getting another offer from another company. That's absolutely fantastic. I mean, that's the way you have to go. You have to constantly go out there and see what's going on. You have to, to take additional classes. And believe it or not, they're very interesting. I mean, especially if it's something that you're doing, you're like, wow, you know what? I never thought about it that way. And that's very interesting. And also participate in organizations. I mean, I'm involved in LinkedIn, I think, is one of the best things that come out of this, you know, whole thing is that, you know, you communicate with colleagues, you look at their profile, hey, you know what, she's following that group or she's part of that group, you know what, that might be beneficial to me other than just the whole connecting and the whole networking. You find out a lot about companies and the industries and so forth. So participate in a lot of organizations and, you know, try to get your name out there and go to as many functions as you can because, you know what, your brain is a sponge and every day you learn something new. Absolutely. I definitely am a big proponent of that. I recently went back to school to get a uh, new certificate, and I remember my kids were like, Mommy, why are you in school? I thought you already had a degree, and I was just like, well, yeah, I do. And they're just like, well, why are you doing this? Because you can't play with me. You can't do, you know, all this other stuff. And I was just like, you know what? If I don't learn more about my career, then I'm really putting myself in a position where I could become obsolete, and that's not something that I'm willing to do. So, you know, I think that that's really great advice that you would share with young people. Yeah, absolutely. So, Barbara, what gets you up in the morning to serve your clients? Well, 
Well, what makes me wake up in the morning is I'm part of multiple projects right now, and I like to have multi-functional teams. And I have such great relationships with my clients that it just makes it easy and fun to go to work in the morning. So I don't have a problem telling a client, hey, what do you think about doing this instead of that? Or the client telling me, hey, Barb, you know, I really don't think that's the right way to do that. So that's the type of relationship that I have with my clients that it doesn't feel like it's work. It feels like, you know what, i got a project to do. Let's go do that project and let's go and, you know, let's grab that ball and let's start running. So it's just fun. Excellent. You know, I mean, I think all of us know somebody who hates their job. And I have said this time and time again that one of the, for me, one of the things that I enjoy most about this interview series is the a fact that if they agree to be interviewed, that generally means that they're going to be somebody who likes what they're doing. Absolutely. So why do you think that being a procurement specialist, shall we use that? <laughs> Why do you think that being a purchasing agent or somebody in the procurement field is on the list of the top 100 careers? I think a couple of things. I think that there's a lot of opportunity right now for procurement. Uh, a lot of companies are looking to get leaner. Everything is so much more expensive right now, so companies need to you know, get lean and reduce costs wherever they can. So that gives the procurement professionals the opportunity to think outside of the box and do some creative negotiations and creative management and process improvement. It's also, there's so many levels of opportunity, especially now with firms installing putting in place a CPO, Chief Procurement Officers, and there's more degrees of level of opportunities in the procurement world. So I think that's one of the reasons why that field has opened up to be one of the top 100 positions. It also seems like it would be something that's kind of related to the globalization of purchasing as well as, you know, some of the items that you mentioned that companies are now paying attention to, which is sustainability and uh, diversity and all of those sorts of things seem like they would add layers and would also be factors that contribute to the fact that the field of procurement is in the top 100 careers. Would you agree? Absolutely. Okay. So are there any myths or misconceptions about being in the procurement field? Yeah, I think I mentioned this before. Sometimes organizations, if they don't have backing or buying from upper management, the procurement department suffers because the department looks like it's just there to cut funds in the way with, I want to purchase this and Procurement's not going to let me purchase it because it's too expensive. And that's a misconception. We're there to service you, assist you in getting what you need as quickly as you need it for the best value for the best dollar. So I think that's the biggest misconception. But if a lot of firms are now installing it from above, uh, getting upper sponsorships from, again, the CPO, the CFO, and the CEO, and uh, really making a procurement a division that's respectable and not just saying they're here to help us buy cheaper pencils or widgets. Got it. So you're not the department of no, which is 
has been in my experience when I worked for larger companies, been, you know, my view of what procurement was there. They're the department of no, or they're the department of let me try and see if I can find it for the least price out there, whether or not it fit my needs or not. So it sounds like procurement has really changed. And of course, I would expect that to be true because it's probably been about 20 years since I worked at a large institution. I had made the switch to smaller institutions, but there I would imagine that procurement might have some different needs and responsibilities. Do you know what types of organizations typically would have somebody who is a purchasing agent or a procurement specialist, somebody in the procurement field working in? You talked about government and you working for a large pharmaceutical companies. Are there other types of companies that might also use somebody in the procurement field? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mean, I think almost any major firm or even smaller, mid-sized firm has a procurement department. I mean, it's not only buying, you know, staples or office supplies. You're talking about services for your equipment. You're talking about purchasing furniture. You're talking about services for consulting. So the majority of firms right now have a procurement department. I cannot think of any, I mean, even a small you know, let's say a small limousine company has an admin that does all the buying. So to some point of degree, there is buying and purchasing. When it gets to purchasing departments, our procurement departments, I would say there would be anywhere from firms that have 3,000 employees and above is going to have a purchasing department. Got it. So do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to share with us today? Sure, absolutely. I, first of all, want to thank you for interviewing me. I thought this was wonderful. I, I hope that I inspire some kids to go out there and pursue the purchasing career. It's an exciting career. It's an evolving career. It's become globalization. I mean, I've traveled to Basel. I've traveled to many parts of the United States because you need affiliates and you need, you know, other satellite offices. You go to conferences. It's a very exciting and uh, growing industry, you know, career path, and I recommend anyone that is interested and has strong will and has great negotiation and haggling skills, as you would say, kind of put their toe in there and see if they like it, and I'm sure they'll be successful at it. Great. So if somebody was looking for some additional information, could you direct them to some resources that they might be able to explore on their own? Sure, absolutely. Like I mentioned, there's the ISN, which I I believe I provided you the link to in my email. And there's a couple of other organizations that I'll be more than happy to share. Or you have my LinkedIn page, correct? Yes. And if you go into my LinkedIn page, I'm part of many organizations for procurement. And those are fantastic organizations to be part of because they'll tell you what's uh, up and coming globally and locally and regionally and what's happening with the gas prices, what's happening with different chemicals or raw materials that will affect your buy and whatever the case may be that you're buying. Absolutely. So, Barbara, I just really want to take the time to thank you very much for taking the time today 
to explore and tell us a little bit more about the procurement field. And really, you know, it started with the whole education about the various different paths that somebody who was in procurement could go through, as well as the fact that my uh, title, purchasing agent, is no longer used outside of governmental agencies. So it's been tremendous from my perspective to learn a little bit more about uh, what it is that you do every day. And I thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Anytime. If you have any further questions, please feel free to reach out to me. Absolutely. So for those people who are listening, one of the things that I will tell you is that I will include in our show notes links to the various different organizations that Barbara Uh talked about during this podcast, as well as I will go into her LinkedIn profile and link to some of the organizations that she thinks are, are valuable because she's part of them. So I thank you again for your time. No, thank you. It was my pleasure. To learn more about the college planning process, I invite you to visit our website at College Funding Resource. I also invite my listeners to keep coming back to listen to more of our Career 100 podcasts. At College Funding Resource, you'll be able to listen to guests like Barbara who have valuable information to share about their respective careers. And I want to thank all of my listeners for joining us today, and I hope you will join me again for the next installment of the Career 100 podcast. If you've benefited from our podcast, I invite you to visit our iTunes channel and rate this podcast. We thank you very much for listening. Please keep coming back, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to today's edition of the Career 100 podcast. We hope you'll join us again for our next podcast, where we'll continue to interview experts in the top 100 careers for 2011, giving you the insider's view of their chosen profession. If you'd like more information about planning and saving for college and to instantly download your free copy of College Funding Resources Report, Five Strategies That Parents Need to Start Using Today to Cut Their College Costs Tomorrow, visit www.collegefundingresource.com. That's www.collegefundingresource.com. This is Kathy Davis for the Career 100 Podcast.